0: and welcome. You are listening to audio from Alamo Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas, where our mission is to thrive together. Well, hey, here we are. We are now in the very last installment of our series called Undivided Life to the Full. And I thought of no better way than to end this series by talking about the aim. Like, what's the aim of living this undivided life? What's the purpose? What's the end goal here. We're going to be hanging out in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. So you can go to and uh, turn there now whether you're on your Bible apps or your good old-fashioned Bibles. Of course, the scripture will be on the screen for you as well. Um, so we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 along with Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20. These are incredible uh, accounts in our scripture of our great commission what we call the great commission, the commission that Jesus gave us to go and do the mission that he's called us to do. But as I mentioned, here we are, we're looking at this undivided life. And for what reason? Like what's the end game? What's the goal? God, what is the target that you have for us? You know, I I really look up to people who are just like self-learners. And I'm not talking about self-starters. I like to consider myself a self-starter. But I'm talking about self-learners. You know those people who just say, I want to learn more about American history. So they just pick up these books and watch documentaries and they just start learning it for themselves. I really wish that I was one of those folks who were just a self-learner. Have you ever seen Oliver uh, playing the keyboard for us on Sunday mornings? Did you know that guy, he never played the keys before he joined our church. When he joined our church, he was like, Hey, why don't we have anybody on stage playing the keyboard? I said, Well, because we don't have anybody uh, who's offered to say, Hey, uh, I want to be on the music team and I play keys. So uh, can you throw me up, uh, throw me up there on the, on the team with them? And he said, Well, you know what? I'm going to learn the keys and I want to get up there. And this is how I want to serve. Our church. And I said, uh, okay, sure. Like, that sounds good. You know, in, in this profession and in, in this uh, in, in the kind of the church world, uh, a lot of times we, we have folks that are really ambitious and, and want to help out. And then sometimes it can kind of land on empty promises. So I didn't know where Oliver landed on that spectrum. But he bought a keyboard, he asked us for a song for him to learn. Y'all, and he learned it. A few weeks later, he called me. He said, hey, next time y'all play that song, let me know uh, because I've been practicing and I'm ready to go. Y'all, he just picked up a keyboard and started teaching himself how to play. Y'all, me, I, I need a deadline. I need a professor breathing down my neck. I need the fear of failing a grade and losing money and having to repeat the class. I need a sermon to deliver to you every single weekend to kick me into gear. Otherwise, I I might not end up doing it. Y'all, so to what aim? See, Oliver, he had the aim of getting on this stage and serving his church. I had the aim of graduating from seminary so that I could become your pastor. To what aim do we live our life undivided, united in Christ and with one another? To what aim? What's the end? What's the target? Well, Jesus, he gave us what our end game is. He said, to the ends of the earth. We live and spread this undivided life. Right here, Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, but you believers, you disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and and to the ends of the earth. See, to the ends of the earth we spread this witness of God. And last I checked, I don't know about you, but the world is not flat. It doesn't have an end. It's round. It just keeps on going and going. And so we keep going, spreading this message, this witness for Christ. We keep going until we, we reach our end with eternity in heaven. See, you don't stop. You know, I love it when Jesus kind of gives us a stopping point. Kind of like this one, right? To the ends of the earth. Another time he said, until everybody has heard this gospel message. Did you know that there are over 350,000 births a day? See, you don't stop until you get to the end of the earth. And God, there is no end. There is no end until we get into our eternal resting place with jesus see we are called to be a witness of this undivided life in jesus and to be a witness of this life to others I mean, in this series, I really try to do a decent enough job to try to explain to us what it looks like and how we're able to live this undivided life. And so throughout this series, I talked about first our undivided heart, how when you come to faith in Jesus, we actually receive a heart transplant. We receive the heart of God inside the believer and in this new heart. In this new creation that we are, we have this undivided source. Our undivided source is God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three in one. And with this source, we then have undivided views. We have undivided views in the way that we view the family of God, those of us in the church, and our undivided views of those outside the faith, those in the world. And in that view I talked about over the last two weeks, our undivided affections, how we're called to love one another as the church, and how we're called to love the world that Jesus came to die for. And in all of this undividedness, if you will, in all of this, Y'all, these are commandments that have been given to the believer on how we're called to live our undivided life here on earth. We're called to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so like I said, today is the very last message in this series that we're calling Undivided. And and today I want to see what it looks like together for us to be a witness and how we're called to live this witness out to the end of our age. And so let's do that together this morning. Does that sound all right? If you're out there in the Facebook world, would you just let us know you're there and hit some likes. I mean, you can hit the, the hearts or whatever you want to do. Just let us know that we're in this and we're watching and we're streaming together. You can go ahead and hit the share button as well. If you're on YouTube, y'all are usually a lot more quiet than the Facebookers, and that's all right. Maybe you're just a little bit more intently focused on what we're, we're talking about. But either way, we would love to know that, that we're in this together. So, so give each other some shout-outs. Say it's so good. To see you this morning because it truly is a beautiful thing that we're able to continue streaming together. So, here we go. You know, during the stage of Jesus' ministry here on earth, the three years that he worked the fields with his 12 disciples, y'all, Jesus was a witness to the power and the glory and the salvation of God the Father. And and as a witness, y'all, this was his identity. Jesus, it was so intertwined into who he was, into his entire purpose, his entire humanity even. His witness, it was so much a part of who he was that everywhere Jesus went, he was a witness Y'all, I think the same thing goes for the Apostle Paul, and really all the heroes of our faith, y'all, they were never able to turn off being a Christian. I don't even think that they ever even fathomed the idea of turning it off. And I know that you and I, uh, maybe uh, we like to joke around sometimes when somebody makes us mad and we'll say things like, man, that person's going to make me lose my Christianity. Or we might say other things like, yo, I I know that I might go to hell for saying this and then we say it. Yeah, it's pretty funny at that particular moment in time, maybe. But y'all, that was never the case for the ancient Christians. You see, we never set our cross down at the table and only pick it back up whenever we go to a Bible study or pick it back up uh, before we pray over our meal for dinner time or, or pick it back up whenever we decide to stream the service live or later on demand. See, we as Christians, we carry our crown with us every day, all throughout the day, and everywhere we go, we are witnesses to this glorious resurrection of Jesus. And maybe you might say, yo, how am I witness, how am I a witness to the resurrection? resurrection. I wasn't there over 2000 years ago, but we know that the resurrection happened because that resurrection power happened inside of us when we came to faith in Jesus. We went from being dead in our sin to alive in Christ forever. Amen. See, in Christ we're no longer dead in our sin. We now live for eternity with god and that started the second we said yes to jesus and as a witness to the glory of god our source is jesus y'all and he told us what to do and how to live our life pleasing to him In the Matthew account that I shared with you that we would also be looking at today, Matthew kind of gives us a little bit more detail in the account that was shared with us in Acts chapter 1. It was what Jesus said to his disciples right before he would go up and ascend to go back to his heavenly home. And right here Jesus says that we all reach this aim together, this this aim that leads to the end of this age. Uh, This is what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, the scriptures say, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Just imagine, like I wonder if these disciples were like, whoa, okay, we got, like Jesus is about to leave and he's telling us we got to go to every single nation and make disciples. Like, thanks a lot. Thanks for just leaving and telling us that we got to go around the world into even these hostile countries. I wonder if they were just kind of freaking out inside of them. Have you ever uh, gone and done like a little pool check just to see the temperature of the pool. You kind of like put your foot in first, right? And then you're like, oh, it's a little bit too cold. I'm going to go ahead and wait a second or kind of wade myself into the water. And then your jerk friend just comes and like throws you in there. I wonder if the disciples felt like they were just thrusted into this mission. I also remember when I first started driving, like my very first time uh, getting on the highway by myself in this crazy town that we call San Antonio. Y'all, I was filled with so much excitement and and filled with so much freedom. I was like, yes, I'm going to conquer the world. I remember getting on that on-ramp and, y'all, I was just sweating bullets. I was thinking all right, here it goes like yeah sure I had gone to driving school spent all the hours that I needed in the classroom and driving and doing the observing which by the way the very last time uh, that I had my driving instruction I was at a a, a green unprotected light to turn left which remember you know you got to yield to the oncoming traffic well I didn't yield and I started going. And my instructor, he had to pull the emergency brake and slam on his brake on the side of the car, and, and he, he stopped us from having a head-on collision right then and there. Everybody in the car was freaking out. Well, this was before, you know, we all had cell phones. I, my friends maybe were playing snake on their phone, if you remember that. The truth is, I, I just wanted to kind of wake them up a little bit, add a little bit of spice to this boring adventure that we were on, just watching me drive. But y'all, even with all the schooling, the first time I went on the highway alone, I was like, whew, here we go. Look, nobody wants to be a surgeon's first patient, right? Like, no offense, doctors, but no thank you. And when we read what Jesus told the disciples, like, he didn't really make it easy on these 11, did he? He didn't tell them anything like this. He didn't say, hey, go and and like share the story of salvation if it comes up in conversation with your friends or maybe when you go to the grocery store, like kind of name drop me and and see what happens. He didn't tell the disciples, hey, wear a cross on your your neck on a chain uh, so that people will come up to you and be like, hey, why are you wearing the death penalty around your neck? And kind of let that be a conversation starter. Jesus didn't tell the disciples to to go in and get a fish and a sticker of a fish and slap it on the butt of a donkey uh, and see what people might say. See if they ask about me. That's not what Jesus said to do. He told the 11 that y'all are going to go all over the world and you're not going to make me boring, scared, lukewarm Christians. You're going to go and you're going to make me God-loving, freedom-fighting disciples who would go to their own cross for their message and spread love and salvation everywhere they would go and to anyone and everyone they would meet. And you're going to go into every single nation. Which back then, I mean, the two big ones was what, Rome uh, and Asia Minor. I mean, for crying out loud, when Christopher Columbus came to North America, he thought he ran into India. They didn't even know we were here. Y'all, our aim, Jesus gave us what our game plan is. Jesus says, I don't have any interest in you guys creating this safe zone, this Christian safe zone where it's okay and it's free for you to to blast Caleb with some subwoofers and tens in your truck. See, Jesus had no interest in creating this Christian political state with boundaries and borders and walls. Remember, God already tried that with the Israelites, and how did that work for us? See, he's not going backwards. He's moving forward to the ends of the earth. And so we go to every single nation, whatever nation it is in the state that it's in right now, we go and we share the gospel message with everyone. And we live out the way. We live the way out there. In the dark, we bring in the light. You see, Jesus had no interest in defeating Caesar. He didn't want Caesar's job. And so I think Christians, we can get our head out of the mud. It's more than that. See, because we go to every nation, whatever nation, whatever people group, whatever street, whatever community, wherever we go and we live this undivided life. We share our undivided affections for one another and the world. Amen? Is there anyone else out there with me, or am I preaching to myself? I mean, I kind of am preaching to myself right now. I mean, I'm looking out at empty pews, and I just have Jonathan right here, so maybe Jonathan can shout amen for a second. I don't know if you can hear that or not. See, living undivided is what we're called to do. And we go out to the world. And as we do, the world, they're going to see this love lived out amongst them and for them. And they're going to say, yo, I want some of that. Like, how much does that cost? And we, the children of God, we, got to say, we get to say, don't even ask because it's just way too expensive. You'll never be able to afford it. But guess what? God's son paid the price for it and now you and I we get to be the trust fund kids going and sharing in this overwhelming wealth of God you know how Christianity spread throughout the known world in the very first century like right after Jesus went back home to be on his heavenly throne with God the father I mean just continue reading acts I really want to encourage you to learn the story the history of our people. See, Acts tells us that Christians, they were just so happy, like all the time. They'd be laughing and dancing and partying all day and all night. Neighbors would hear all this laughter going on all throughout the day. And they were wondering, what is going on? See, these Christians, they loved being together so much that they decided, heck, let's go ahead and just sell all of our stuff. Like, let's sell our houses, let's sell everything that we own, and let's just move in together. That's how much they loved being together. I wonder, do y'all have any friends like that? I hope you do. Jackie and I, we've been very fortunate to. We joke around with our friends, Yuki and Andy and Chris and Mel, and we say, hey, let's just like sell all of our stuff. Let's sell our homes and whatever we make off of it, let's just build a bigger house so we can have three different wings and then always come together for dinner. I mean, most of our kids are almost the same age. We just always want to be together hanging out with one another we we have been blessed with these brand new neighbors that that just moved in our daughters are the same age and we've talked about making a door uh, into our backyard so that we could just make it easier to hang out with one another i pray that you find friends like that if you don't already see because that's what the very first century christians were experiencing The world was looking in. Y'all, and they were saying, I want some of that. And the Christians said, yeah, come right in. Let's go. Let's be baptized in Jesus' name. And let's get to know more about our Savior as we journey through this life together. See, and Christianity began to spread like wildfire throughout the known world and for the rest of time. And here we are today. Here we are in 2020. I wonder, are we too far gone? Like, is the church just way too divided? Is there too much sin that's filling the air that we breathe? Is the world just filled with too much hate? Has anyone else out there ever watched or read the news of what's going on in today's time. I mean, I'm sure that you have even if it's been unwarranted because you're online right now watching church. So so chan- chances are when you logged into Facebook or something, you probably saw a post that you didn't really care to see. And have you ever just looked or read the news and said, "Man, I need to turn that off just for a second." I mean, it's bad news after bad news after bad news. The other day I was watching the nightly news and there was a segment that had the judge that lost her 20-year-old son on his birthday. She was sharing the the grief in her heart, herself, about losing her son, about the shooter barging into their home and trying to to kill all of them. And then right after that news story, it goes straight over to some brand new footage of George Floyd pleading for his life. Have you ever just looked out at the world, watched the news, and said, man, we are just way too far gone. Lord, what is the point? The only thing that can save this sorry world is for God, for you to come and end it. And let's start all over again. Redeem the world. Bring your second coming like you promised You would. That's the only hope is for Jesus to come back. And I just want to be real with some uh, Christians out there today because I hear a lot of us, we say that definitely Jesus is going to come back in our lifetime because the world is in so much unrest right now. Like 2020 has not been friendly to us, right? I mean, all the social unrest, this pandemic that we're living in, there's wildfires, there's hurricanes. It's like, thanks a lot. What else do you have for us 2020? You know, I have this uncle. uh, He's 99 years old. So I guess, I don't know, great uncle. This guy, he fought in World War II. He lived through the Depression. He had a son that left for his dream job to be a sailor. And within that week, his ship just vanished into thin air. The ship was never found, they were never able to recover his son's body. I wonder if my Theophyte, though, I wonder if he just kind of laughs a little bit at us when we say, man, Jesus definitely has to come back in my lifetime because of all of this stuff going on. Hey, don't get me wrong, like it's really bad right now. Like 2020 is definitely going to go down in Wikipedia's list of worst uh, years in the history of the world. But I think we can chill out a little bit because God's not up there with a checklist. He's not up there with all the heavenly hosts saying, hey, remember uh, I said 12 pandemics. This is only the 11th pandemic. Uh, So once we hit that 12th one, then we're going to go down there and we're going to end the world like we said we would. See, this isn't a game for God. He's not a sadist. He's not up there playing Sims with us. Am I aging myself again? But I get it. Like, trust me, I totally get it that our mind goes there. And we start thinking the only thing that can save this world is for the second coming of Christ. I totally get it. I mean, I've thought the same thing over and over again. Like one time when I was serving on a mission trip in Haiti. Like in all the mission trips that I've ever served on around the world, I have never experienced anything like this place. I mean, total, extreme, ruthless poverty. And like poverty isn't even a strong enough word to describe what these beautiful people are experiencing. These beautiful, gorgeous souls who are loving, caring, and hospitable. Their unjust is absolutely unimaginable. Our guide, Pastor Leon, uh, he took us to a neighborhood in Port-au-Prince called City Soleil. And friends, let me just tell you, the smell of this neighborhood will never leave your memory. Like that's how bad it was. Like have you ever opened up the dumpster lid and just got this whiff of like horribleness and you see like maggots in there? This was how the entire neighborhood smelled like. City Soleil was on an active landfill where kids and families lived on. I, was, I saw kids, they were playing outside with one another. They were running with their dogs on an active landfill landfill. Y'all, we toured this community. It was unlike anything I had ever imagined. And of course, we couldn't make a face, you know, like a sour face. We just had to take it all in because how incredibly rude would that be for us to come in and try to love on and care for this community with a sour face. This is where people have to live day in and day out and probably for generations they've lived there. Friends, this was the one, this was one of the many times that I had thought to myself, "God, what is the point? Haiti is too." far gone. Their injustice is systemic. A lot of the funding that comes in through humanitarian efforts with Western governments just goes back to the politicians so they can live their posh lifestyle in their mansions. It doesn't go back to City Soleil to get these families and these kids out of this landfill. And so what's the point? What can our church do to try to help this community out of their injustice? God, nothing can. Y'all, and as clear as day, the Holy Spirit gave me a really good slap in the face. It was kind of like one of those times when I was a kid acting up in public and and my mom would discreetly just pinch this part of my arm, the really sensitive part. She would just pinch it into my submission. Yeah, the Holy Spirit kind of did that to me right then and there because then I started hearing as I got to spend more time in Haiti about how Haiti outreach ministry is caring for their own people. With the support of Western churches, y'all, I learned about this incredible woman who was studying to become an attorney. She was impacted by the ministry of Haiti Outreach Mission, HOM. Y'all, she grew up in the slums, but she went to school because of HOM because of HOM, she had a home church that loved and cared for her. She had access to doctors and medicine. She went to college. She owns a house that was built by the ministry. She's thriving, even in Haiti. Y'all, that life, her life, her entire world was forever changed, and now She's living as a world changer in a community and in a nation that looks like it's far beyond repair, but the aim of the church reached her and she would never be the same again. Y'all, she was worth it. She was worth the support of Western churches coming in. She was worth HOM ministering to their own. Y'all, she was worth the missionaries flying in to run kids' camps, to help lay bricks, to to build a new classroom. She was worth it. And so is the world too far gone? I don't know, maybe, probably is. But that doesn't diminish our aim. Y'all, our aim is to the ends of the earth. God gave us that mission to go and do into all nations, even into our own cities, especially our own neighborhoods. I mean, the the income disparity here in San Antonio, it's not fair. It's too deep. It's too far gone. It's too wide. But that is our aim as the church to be undivided in this aim and in this mission, that in our unity, We go and do what we're called to do. And so we fund the mission. We work the fields. We water the ground, and we see God transform lives. Amen? Amen. And so we do. Alamo Hills, we go. And so I plead with you and with me, let's not take our crown off. Don't start taking our armor of God off. We got to get up and we got to get out there. We got to go and love people. It's as simple as asking the cashier how her day is going. It's as simple as telling the janitor, thank you for your hard work. It's not, ugh, isn't that their job? I mean that's not something that the Christian says and maybe the flesh tries to drop it into our minds but remember that we've got the mind of Christ now and and so the ethic of the world gets filtered through so that it doesn't get into our heart and our soul and our actions. We have the mind of Christ so that we view others the way that Christ views us and we go we aim, we reach, we do, we walk, we walk for Jesus. Amen? And so friends, get out there. Like after our time together this morning, it's probably not going to be 110 degrees yet after if you're streaming live with us. So get out there. Go for a walk. Wave at your neighbors. Give them a smile. Go and get to know your HEB staff. Ask them how they're doing. Tell them that you'll say a prayer for them and for their safety, brighten up their day because aren't they worth it? Aren't they worth it? Just like you were worth it. See, you were worth it to that person who told you about Jesus those people who continuously remind you of His promises that He has for you. And so go and be a world changer. See, Alamo Hills, let's go and do that together. Let's change the world. Let's not feed into the partisan talk, the divisive talk, the hateful, speech. But Let's spread light and love and joy. Let's speak up for the oppressed and stand in their gap. Let's care for the least of these like jesus has called us to do and as we do y'all it's inevitable that people they're going to be wanting to join in on the family of god it's going to be inevitable that we're going to start making strong disciples of jesus just like he told us to do we're going to start baptizing people in his name all toward the one aim to the ends of the earth And for all time, as long as there's breath in our lungs, we aim toward the love and care of others. And so let's keep aiming together, church. Amen? Amen. Y'all, this is the call of the believer to go out into our neighborhoods to love God And to love others as we love ourselves. So, love yourself, treat yourself, so that we can go and share this love with those around us. I know that it's simple to say and a lot of times harder to do. But when it's hard, y'all, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to give us that strength to silence our angers, to silence our frustrations to really leave it at the cross so that we can be the conduits, the people, the vessel living out his mission. Amen? Would you pray with me? God, we love you so much. God, your love, it's it's unimaginable, it's unescapable. God, even as we run away from you, You keep chasing after us. You never quit. You never stop. God, we don't have to chase you because you're a constant, always there by our side, in us and through us, God. Even when we push you away, God, would you forgive us? Would you forgive me, Father, for the time that I have pushed you away, for the time that I have silenced you? For the time that I have uh, gone into the ways of the world instead of the ways of you, Father, would you get me back on track? Thank you, God, that every time I seek you, every time I ask for forgiveness, the scripture tells us that you are faithful and you are just, God. You will forgive us our sins. Thank you for that freedom that we get to live in. But will we go and live undivided as your people in your love and for your love? In Jesus. Amen. If you'd like to check out more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit www.alamahills.church.